Hi, I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. Remember, you can find out more by visiting my blog and site at tipsfortravellers.com, which is all written together, and travellers is spelt with two L's the UK way. This week on Tips for Travellers, we're going to do a crossing on the Cunard Queen Mary 2. And what I'm going to do is something slightly different, as I'm going to actually take you through kind of a journal or story about the crossing from New York to Southampton to kind of get a sense of what a crossing is like and what happens on a crossing and just general experiences. I also have another blog which is actually about the Queen Mary 2 and I also have a podcast which is also about the Queen Mary 2 which you can access uh, by searching on uh, my blog again, tipsatravelers.com or on iTunes. So let's talk a little bit about what is a crossing like? And so let's start with the very first day, which was a Tuesday. We'd been staying at the Ritz-Carlton in the Battery Park in New York for the weekend before joining the Queen Mary 2 for our six-night transatlantic crossing eastwards from New York to Southampton. It was therefore very exciting because when we went to the lounge for breakfast, we could see the ship actually docked across the river in Brooklyn. Now, I actually took a photograph from the lounge of being a bit of geek, immediately posted on my Facebook, on my Cunard blog, and on my Flickr account. And it wasn't a great photograph because the weather in New York had been very cloudy, visibility had been great, but it had a real sense of adventure because you could look across from New York, across Barry Park, and you could see this massive big ship there. And the sense of event is all what a crossing's about. So we caught a cab from the hotel to the Brooklyn Pier 12, where the ship was. Now, when I'd last done a crossing a while ago. I'd done it on the QE2, the Queen Elizabeth II, and we'd actually docked in New York itself. Of course, this was so much more exciting. It felt so much more special actually being right in Manhattan. It is a pity that Cunard have moved across to Brooklyn, and I'm sure they do because it's cheaper. It may even be more efficient. But it does, therefore, of course, lack some of the sense of, of, of event because the specialness of actually having the ship right there in New York, of course, is quite amazing. Now, we arrived around noon. And we were traveling in Queen's Grill. And so actually on Queen's Grill, they encourage you to actually get there early on. You have different levels on the ship. You have Queen's Grill, you have Princess Grill, and you have Britannia Grill. And that all kind of relates to the restaurants and levels, etc. And I'll talk more about that later. Now, actually, the whole checking in process seemed a little bit less organized than it seems to actually be in Southampton, which is where the ship kind of is based. Now, the whole process in Southampton did seem to be much smoother and seemed to be much faster than the QE terminal in Southampton. But we got through security pretty fast. We had a queue for a short while in the girls' check-in. And then once we got to the front of the queue, things really got better. Now, we'd originally booked in a queue six in Queen Grills. And so we were expecting a very special trip. But a few weeks ago, we were told that we'd been upgraded to a penthouse, which is a queue four on the 10th deck. Now, when the lady was processing us, she had a big red card that said penthouse. And she said that she needed to alert them on the ship that we were here. So, of course, we quite like that whole sense of, of, of importantness that, that that kind of implies. We quite like that idea. Now, when we went through to the crowded grills pre-boarding lounge, this lady stopped us. And we were dressed in jeans and we probably didn't look dressed as sort of the, the grill level. And she asked if we had a pass to the lounge. Now, when we showed the red card, she went, oh, that's a good one to have. So we like that as well. So it looked more and more like it's going to be quite an event after all. Now, on boarding, a lady escorted, escorted us to our cabin, which was room 10092 on deck 10. And it really was amazing. 
I mean, this is just the most amazing place. It's about 730 square feet, and it really was huge. Now, on entering the cabin, there's a guest bathroom with a basin on the right. There's a dining table and bar area. It leads into a seating area, and there's a very large sofa, a chair, and a table. There's an area with a large dressing table, a desk, a television with a DVD player, and even an Xbox. Then in the bed area, there's a, there's a huge, big double bed, and then off that, there was a large walk-in cupboard. There was lots of space. And then a huge bathroom with a toilet, a bidet, a jacuzzi-style bath, and a separate you know, shower. Just amazing. This penthouse was just incredible. The balcony is very large. It had two lounges, two chairs, and a table. So we decided this definitely is the life. It's amazing. We took loads of photographs and videos, which, we've, which again, you can see on my site, tipsfortravelers.com. We met art, very charming butler, a guy called Albert. He was actually off the QE2, and we worked out that Maureen, who had been our battle on the QE2, was also on the ship. And so we decided we'd try and sort of track her down and say hello to her. We then headed off to lunch in the lovely Queen's Grill. And the maitre d' again amazingly recognized us from a Queen Victoria chip trip that we'd been on last year. So this is very impressive, and this really is kind of what Cunard service is all about, a just amazing service. Lunch was fantastic, of course. We had vegetable soup. We had Turkish schnitzel salad. Just great, great, great. Uh, Marco I was traveling with had signed up to do classes in the gym, whereas I had signed up to the, the, more, the less uh, energetic getting the Times newspaper printed every day. Um, although, of course, sea permitting, I decided I would try and get to the gym every day to try and you know, work off the very nice food. Now, we were a little bit nervous about the crossing at the stage because we'd crossed on the QE2 before and it had been incredibly rough. That was in around 2004. And the other thing that we started hearing was that the first few days could be a bit boisterous due to high winds and the captain had suggested things like people don't leave bottles on open surfaces. So we thought, oh dear, that uh, could be a little bit risky. So we took seasick tablets just to be sure. But we were hoping, of course, having done a couple of cruises that things would be fine. So what about the next day? The next day, Wednesday, which was day one of the crossing. So I actually got down at about 12 noon to, to write a posting. And soon after setting off from the Brooklyn the day before, we'd passed under the Verrazano Bridge. And the captain had advised us that due to a medical issue, we were going to have to let a passenger off. And it seemed a bit strange as we'd only just set off. But we slowed right down and the passenger was removed from the ship. We then headed off to dinner. And it was smart casual, which on Cunard means a jacket but no tie. That's what they call a smart casual. There were quite a lot of people strolling about dress very casual, and I know the Cunard are very strict about dress code, unlike some other cruise ships. And it's going to be interesting to see how things progress, as most nights on a crossing are actually formal, which means dress suits, bow ties. Dinner, of course, was great, and we met our waiter, a guy called Raj, who was going to be our main waiter for the trip. Now, I actually had caviar for dinner, from the Alicot menu, and I really like caviar. And the only time I have it is when I'm actually on Cuno, because of course it's very expensive, and, 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 and you know if you're going anywhere else to have it. Now caviar is on the Alicot menu in, in Queen's Grill, so theoretically I could have it every single night if I wanted. Now on Queen's Grill you have the evening menu, and then they also have an Alicot menu if there's nothing on the main menu bizarrely that would take your fancy. I had card with bok chow, very delicious creme brulee, rosé wine. Now the wine chap or I guess sommelier, as they're called. <clears throat> what I really liked him because unlike most ships we've been on, he wasn't pushy, and so we felt very comfortable just having one glass and didn't, you know, didn't get the feeling that you kind of have to keep slugging down wine. We did a bit of very unsuccessful gambling on the fruit machines. Now, the one downside of the casino is that they allow smoking. There is apparently going to be, though, one night when it will be smoke-free, 
We then went to bed at 10.30 p.m. and woke up 11 hours later. The movement of the ship and the very comfortable beds definitely helped. Just being out at sea is just amazing. You just sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep. It's fantastic. Now, there's the, the very bad movement that in the ship that was suggested may happen didn't appear, though it was very, very windy outside and was very wet. So there is movement, but it's not too bad. And, and, and I guess nothing could probably be as bad as we'd had on the QE2, where we had 30, 40, 50 foot waves. Hopefully it's going to stay like this. And although there was movement, it was kind of more gentle rocking and was easy to get used to. The captain had just done his noon update when I was actually writing this particular posting. And he said that the swell is not as bad as forecast, but the winds are very strong. And is the equivalent of 70 miles an hour winds, 70 miles an hour winds on deck. It was nine degrees centigrade outside and the wind was likely to stay like that all this day and the next. Now I'd signed up, as I'd mentioned earlier, to get a full print out of the Times of London newspaper every day, which cost about $3.95. So after breakfast, I was chilling out in our very lovely suite, reading the paper, watching movies. They show loads of movies on the internal TV and it was generally just laying about and being lazy. Now we chatted to Andres, who was the butler, and he's <coughs> very charming. He's been with QNR for years. And we spoke about the Rosenbergs, who for 15 years had booked both of the two really big suites on the QE2 World Cruise. And they would often apparently book up to four more suites for luggage and friends to join. But apparently they didn't like the Queen Mary 2 and just never, never have been on it. So by the evening, I discovered that actually when you're running a journal on the crossing, it can be very repetitive. Because what you do on the crossing is you basically eat, you eat, you eat, and then you sleep. Now, Wednesday afternoon, after lunch, of course, which was great, I'd had soup, Greek salad, and cold meat. We had a relaxed layabout and actually went to the gym. And that, of course, means you don't feel guilty about having the famous Cunard afternoon tea. Now, the main place for the afternoon tea, which is a real big part of the crossing routine, is Queen, the Queen's Lounge, which on Cunard ships is the ballroom where they have the dancing at night. Now, we actually had ours in the Queen's Grill Lounge, which is for people traveling in Princess and Queen's Grill. It's faster and it's more efficient there, although it doesn't have the holes in a big sense of scale. Delicious sandwiches, delicious cakes, hot scones with jam and cream, and then you have a choice of herbal or, or kind of normal tea. Now, tonight was formal night, and so that meant bow ties and tuxedos. Now, the dinner it was a bit slow, and the service surprisingly wasn't that great. Now, we'd ordered from the Anacot menu, and it seems that many others had, and that might have been the course. And it's very unusual on QNOP for service, no matter which restaurant you're in, to not be tip-top. Now, as dinner's taken so long, we'd not got to see the start of the show tonight, but we did swing by and saw the very end. It, it, it surprisingly, again, was not very good. It was some obscure one who'd once been in a Broadway show or something. It was very windy. The sea was getting choppier, but it still was pretty smooth sailing. So what about the next day, the Thursday? Now, the thing with doing the crossing, which is part of the point of why for years the QNOT slogan used to be about getting there as part of the fun, is that there's not a lot to report as the days are relaxing, they're well-paced, it's very, very relaxing. And that's the best way to play the crossing. Now, I don't know why, but when on the crossing, we sleep like you can literally only just dream about. You easily sleep for 9 to 11 hours without even trying. It must be the mixture of the sea air, the gentle rocky of the ship, the comfortable beds, and the quiet and the darkness. It may also be a sign of just being completely and utterly relaxed and there's little for the brain to be working on and digesting overnight. It's just 
beautiful. You just have the most amazing, amazing sleeps on a crossing. Now, we're doing the eastward crossing from New York to Southampton. So every night for five of the six nights, you have to advance your clock by an hour. So that by the time you get to the UK, you're on the right time. So this means actually you have a 23-hour days. Now, the great thing about going the other way is you get 25-hour days. So you actually get that extra hour to relax or sleep or whatever. Now, today, as I was doing this on the second full day of the crossing, there's a very, very full list of options of things to do in the daily program. And things that range from talks about insects, movies, bingo, casino activities, sports, and right through to meetings of friend of Bill, which took me a long time to figure out, was actually for Alcoholics Anonymous, and friends of Dorothy, which was for gay people on the cruise. But mostly we just strolled about, we lay about, we ate, we read, we didn't go to the talks, we didn't go to any of the meetings, and we just, just had a really, really great time. Now today what was also interesting on the ship is you have to go through and do your UK immigration. Now, it's a great idea because it means that everyone's passed your immigration before you even get to the UK. And it's pretty efficient. They had a desk in the Britannia dining room. You just went a certain time and you got processed. So that was great. Now, the ship also launched their, their transatlantic clothing merchandising. And the cruise we were on was actually the second transatlantic crossing of the season. So they were just kind of launching all their new stuff. And what our waiter Raj had told us, that the first crossing from the UK was, it had been very rough. And so it was actually, this one was even better because we were having pretty calm seas. Um, now, in terms of the merchandise, um, they were also selling the World Cruise merchandise at half price, which I probably should have bought some, but I didn't. So the, two, the actual World Cruise had ended just before the transatlantic season had started. And the transatlantic season tends to run in the summer. And then the World Cruise uh, is over the winter. And they also do a bit of uh, the Caribbean as well. Now, what I hadn't mentioned is that the night before I'd done really well at the casino, I'd won over $100 at lunchtime and another $100 in the evening on the machines. So that was pretty good for me. Now, we went to see the show that, that night in the massive and very comfortable Royal Court Theatre. It was a dance show called Passionata, and it was really, really good. It's sort of like, they call it sort of like West End Broadway style. And it was, it was amazing. Very talented. Now, on the ship, the crew has evolved from being very UK, because Kino used to have very UK, and also a big Philippine cruise into very large Eastern European, although the, the Philippines crew is still very large. Now, the crew are helpful. They're incredibly hardworking. And yesterday, we caught up with Maureen, who had been one of our butlers. We were on the, on the 2004 crossing of the QE2. Now, she'd moved to the QM2 after the QE2 was handed over in Dubai. She's been with Kino for 21 years, and it's amazing how many people on the ships have worked on the ships for so long. And I think for her, though, it, it has been a bit of a shock being on the Queen Mary 2 after the QE2 because it's a very different ship. It's a very different approach. I think on the QE2, kind of, there was just a whole way of doing things that wasn't as formal. Of course, now Queen Mary 2 is much more uh, official. It's much more formal and, and, and much more sort of structured. So let's talk about the full day three of the transatlantic crossing. And this is the day that you get to halfway point on the crossing. And it's about three clock on the time zone you're on now and as I mentioned you know you kind of keep changing time zones every day today we decided to have breakfast in our room and you place a form outside the door and at 9 15 a.m after another night of nine hours sleep our butler Andreas brought it in he sits up the dining room table we had fruit we had delicious pancakes and maple syrup then we decided to go off and play music trivia quiz in the Golden Line pub there's five parts to it we just went to the music one today we were rubbish Although we did actually, <laughs> scary enough, we were rubbish, but still managed to score quite high, highly. So then we strolled about, we took photos, spent more time on the decks, and we even took time to lie under these lovely warm tartan blankets on the deck that they give you just watching the sea pass. Just amazing. 
Um, some people went off to the cooking demo. I just went around strolling, taking photographs. It just was fantastic. Then we went to the casino and blew all our winnings. So then we got an invite to a cocktail party with the captain. Uh, and, you know, it sounds very grand, but everyone gets them and they just rotate them through the night. But so we, we, we decided, actually, we originally were going to go to the cocktail party, but then decided to actually just go to the Queen's School restaurant. And we were therefore by ourselves for dinner most of the time because everyone else went to the cocktail party. We popped into the concierge lounge. I forgot to mention that earlier. And this is a lounge where you can you can take out DVDs, you can get games to the Xbox, you can make an arrangement for transfers, and they also have um, all sorts of newspapers. And the lady there, she's very sweet. She chats away. She's very very helpful. Now we decided that we were going to do self help when you get to Southampton. This is much better because what it means is you get to leave about thirty minutes after docking if you carry your own luggage, and it means you don't have to hang around waiting for your deck to be called. You just, as long as you can carry your own luggage, you can do self-help, and that's a great idea. Last night, we went to see the RADA show in the Royal Court Theatre. Now, RADA do shows on the Queen Mary II and the Queen Elizabeth, and I'd always assumed that it was current students doing a turn, as it were, as part of their training at uh, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts from London. But it seems that this is more part of a RADA Enterprises that also does training for businesses. They do kind of training shows for businesses. The show we saw was an abridged version of Hobson's Choice. To be honest, I didn't think they were very good at all and was pleased when it was finally all done. I was feeling a bit poorly at that stage and that probably didn't help because I think I've got a cold or something coming on. It's probably all that walking in unexpectedly cold New York before we actually set off on the crossing. Anyway, on to day four, the fourth day of our transatlantic crossing. Now, I, I, as I'd mentioned, I'd been feeling a bit sort of fuzzy in the head and woke up uh, feeling I had razor blades in my throat, so which is rather annoying. But luckily being on an, a large ocean liner, I was very easily able to just pop down and see the doctor in the medical centre. Now, the sisters and the doctor were really friendly. They were really chatty. And I didn't have to wait at all long to see him. And I seemed to have tonsillitis. He gave me antibiotic to zap it and some gargle. Now, it costs about $60 to see the doctor. And then the antibiotics cost about the same buying them on a private prescription, which is about $8. Now, the medical center is quite large. And talking to one of the nurses with my uh, newfound sort of growling voice, she said they, they are usually quite busy. Now, <clears throat> but today was it was pretty pretty quiet. Now, with the average age on many cruise ships, and especially ones like the QM2 that do the world cruise, it's not unusual, one reads, for at least one death en route. And with so many elderly passengers, I'm sure there are lots of ailments, along with the usual seasickness and sore throats and the such. We had breakfast in our room again. It was much more civilised. And room service doesn't cost anything, and there are no fees either. Our butler, I think, quite likes having breakfast in the room. He seems quite cheery and chatty and actually seems to be encouraging us to do it. Maybe it usually means better tips. The weather today, on the fourth day, it's pretty nasty outside. The sea, though, is not that rough. We have a force nine gale with huge winds and rain making the decks very wet and large parts are actually closed off, especially near the front of the ship because it's, it's, it's so, so heavy and hard, the, 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 the rain and the wind. Now, very few people seem to venture out on the decks, but we've been out quite a bit and it's great fun. In fact, it's good fun when it's strong and gusty. And it is quite amazing to see how steady this massive ship is, despite the huge, strong winds. Very impressive. Now, we also went to the planetarium in the Illuminations Theatre. And this is the only planetarium at sea. And we watched a feature narrated by Harrison Ford. It was okay. It was worth going to 
once. In the afternoon, we went off to afternoon tea, of course, again, in the Queen's Grill Lounge with our sandwiches, cakes and warm scones. Very tasty. We should really be going to the one in the Queen's Room because that's where the bigger experience is, even if we just to take some pictures. The show in the evening by the Cunard Singers was called Crazy in Love. It was really amazing. Great voices, great dancing, great effects, and my throat is absolutely killing me. So, day five of The Crossing. My throat is sore, but the antibiotics, I'm sure, will kick in. And we woke to a much quieter wind and much calmer seas today. It's still quite overcast, but it was dramatically less blowy. The problem with being on board is about two days before the end of any trip, you start to get all sorts of things that start to suggest the trip is nearing the end, which is a bit annoying really as six days seems like a long time, but it's not. And so being reminded that it will all end soon is not very welcome. As I mentioned, we've chosen to do the self-assistance when we get to Southampton, which means we'll take off all of our baggage and also get a pretty sharp in the morning. And this is something increasingly that cruise lines are encouraging. It does make a lot of sense because it means they can get people off the ship faster as people can literally start to leave as soon as the ship is cleared. And of course it also means much less work for the crew to get baggage off and means more time to get ready for the next set of lucky passengers. The Queen Mary 2 is heading back to New York when we get back and bouncing back and fro four times at least as they start the transatlantic season. Now, we've been given the form to rate the cruise, the materials given to the ship, and the dining room staff have given us a folder with all our menus. And we have a set already, actually, because, as I mentioned, they leave them in, in the morning in the cabin. We've also taken back the library books we borrowed from the massive and very impressive library and never actually read as we'd ever seem to have the time. There's something like 6,000 books in the library. We also took back the DVDs and the games, although they show really good movies on the internal TV system. And they also run Fox News. And as we got to about halfway, we also got the BBC World and ITV from the UK. They also then show the talks from that day. And I watched a really interesting one, which is a virtual bridge tour by two of the bridge officers. Really interesting, full of fun facts, like the QM2 generates enough power to power the whole of Southampton and all that kind of stuff, but really interesting. After on our regular trip for afternoon, delicious sandwiches, cakes and hot scones, we headed to the Queen's Room to watch the Passenger Talent Show. Now, these are usually truly terrible events when it comes to exposing talent, but usually good fun. Today was great, with a few very charming old ladies singing and being very entertaining, a very nervous teenage a lad playing the piano, an old chap reading poetry forever that he'd written, and a lady playing the piano with some pieces she'd written for grandchildren. Very entertaining, very amusing. And I've actually videoed segments of that, which are on my blog at tipsfortravellers.com. By the afternoon, as we were closer and closer to the UK, it actually got sunny and the sea became very calm and, and almost glass-like now. Talk about, you know, complete, complete extremes. So in terms of the final day, Day six and getting off the ship in Southampton, well, there's not a lot to say. We woke up at six o'clock as we were due to talk around 6.30 a.m. and My throat was sore, I hadn't slept well, but I'd had a fabulous, fabulous time. We finished with the final packing, popped down to the restaurant for a quick breakfast, and by the time we got back to the cabin, they were announcing that self-embarkation people could leave on deck three via the Grand Lobby. That must have been about ten past seven in the morning. It's very clear that this is getting very popular. There were streams of people... Unless there's only one lift in the terminal, and they wouldn't let, they would only let people with one bag use the escalators. It took quite a while to get down. Uh, we sailed, if you excuse the pun, through customs, and met our driver, and we left. We had booked a car via cruise connection, which QNOT offer. The port was really, really busy because the Queen Victoria, the Queen Mary II, and Pianos Oriana were all in. Our ride back to London took forever due to an accident on the A4, but you can't blame that on QNOT. We're home, we're missing the trip, and we've already planned our next trip on QNOT. So hopefully that was helpful. 
little tour there of kind of what six days on the ship could be and look like. As you hear, it's very relaxing. It's about eating. It's about having a really great time. Absolutely love it. Remember, you can find more on tipsfortravelers.com, where travel is spelt with two L's. And if you are a big Cunard fan, you may also want to look at my other blog, which is all about Cunard, which is all written together, dot blogspot.com. That's all about Cunard dot blogspot.com. So until next time, happy travels.